it is time for Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola, and she joins us in studio this afternoon. We've got a lot to talk about. The, the main thread of the conversation is going to be about travel plans that you find yourself needing to cancel and what your rights are with regards to that. Good afternoon, Wendy. Welcome to studio. Thanks, Amy. Good to be here. Lovely to see you as always. Uh, if I can just start by asking what prompted this conversation in particular for today? Ah, well, the usual thing, and that is the emails, one in particular that I get um, from listeners. Um, So, yeah, I thought it was very much um, worth uh, taking a look at what people's rights are because, you know, we make bookings in advance for Mm. all the lovely things in life, weddings and um, holidays, and... um, at the time, most of us, you know, if you don't have a, a sort of doom um, uh, mental state around that, you're not thinking too much about what would happen if you had to cancel for some reason. But my job makes me very much that person that does think that way. I hope for the best, plan for the worst. Well, you have to. And whenever you make a booking and make a payment, it's usually around 50%, right? Mm. Um, you need to ask the questions what does that mean what is that what are the terms of those deposits most of that deposit so most people cheerfully think that should life happen and they need to cancel they'll just get that money back but it doesn't work like that so mm-hmm. so the time to to ask these questions and ponder these things is before you click confirm on that booking and pay your money pay your deposit in some cases it's the full amount but that's seldom advisable right so um, how it should work is First of all, if you ever see no refunds, then walk away because that that service provider, that company is not complying with the Consumer Protection Act. There can be no blanket, no refund policy on the paying of a deposit, right? You're looking like, really? Because mo- I mean, Well, yeah. I mean, if it's not compliant with the Consumer Protection Act, surely you're not allowed to say that. Yeah, no they refunds. do. And where's the, where's the enforcement? I mean, there isn't, isn't enough enforcement, Goodness right? Me. So the, the, that's... That's um, we we can't rely on companies complying with the CPA. Some of the very big ones with reputations that that they would rather like to protect, yes. Mm. But even then, you've got to check because they'll take sure. a chance, either unknowingly or or knowingly. But I mean, that's what gives me this job, right? Um, so so we'll get to the nitty gritties in a moment. But but essentially, how it works is, and it's all around fairness to both parties. So yes, the the Consumer Protection Act says. You may cancel what what the act terms uh, an advanced booking, mm-hmm. um, but and get your money back. But the um, service provider is entitled to charge a reasonable cancellation penalty. Now that's where the problem comes because you know I've been what's reasonable that came into effect in the CPA eleven years ago, and you can imagine the number of cases I've handled sure. around yeah. cancel, especially with COVID. Yeah. Um, and what the service provider thinks is reasonable is almost always not what the consumer thinks is reasonable. Sometimes it's somewhere in between, right? You can't expect all your money back if you cancel a booking at the last minute, say a wedding, and you cancel it. I'm not talking about COVID when it's beyond your control. I mean, you decide. Mm. You wouldn't believe how many weddings are canceled for a variety of, re- of reasons, by the way. But we're talking travel, but that too. Um, and... Uh, you can't expect a last-minute cancellation to result in you getting all your money back. That's not fair. That the, the law is there to protect both parties. So how it should work is on a sliding scale. Yeah. So the great opportunity that service provider has of being able to get a, re, a rebooking, um, the, the greater the refund should be. So if you cancel a week, a month, two months, whatever, after you've made the booking, um, 
and it's also important how much time is very important. The most important thing is how much time is left for until the supposed you know departure of your flight or your wedding or mm. your your hotel accommodation or whatever. If you give them a long time to rebook, obviously your your deposit should be greater, and it should all be laid out by the establishments. If you cancel, you know. A month before no refund or five percent refund or whatever, going back up to you know if you cancel shortly after you make your booking or if you leave, if there's a long lead time for us to get another booking in that in the place of yours, then you'll get eighty percent back or whatever the case may be, and then you can decide, am I happy with this or not? Why would you not? If you cancel in good enough time, Wendy, why would you not get a full refund? I don't understand why an establishment needs to profit from your cancellation. Because if you made a booking and you've paid a certain amount and then they don't give you a full refund and somebody else takes that booking, they've now got 130%, uh, exactly. 150%. But at the time that, they re- that they're required to refund you, they don't know that, to be honest. And then you get a gray area of, which also comes up in the case study we're about to share, where they'll say, we'll refund you, but only if we get another booking. And that's also not okay. in keeping with them. They, can, yeah. they cannot make it dependent yeah. on. Yeah. But a lot of people do and think that, that that's fair. Okay, so let's get to the to the case study. A property rental agent in Hard Bay emailed me recently, last week I think, about a situation which was clearly bothering her a great deal. She wrote, a client booked accommodation at the beginning of the year with the owner of an apartment um, for the period 15th of December to 6th of Jan. So that's three weeks and they're about the most peak that's weeks that you can get. holiday season. Absolutely yeah. prime. Um, he paid a 50% deposit, 50,000 rand, sure. and was told that this was non-refundable. Now, as I've just said, that is the first red flag. Red flag. It's illegal. It's unfair. Never proceed with a booking from this point, no matter how badly you want to rent a property um, or anything else. Um, I would say half a point to the um, either the letting agents or the or the. Um, it can't be it can't have been the letting agent, the property owner for at least disclosing it up front. So it wasn't a surprise, which it often is um when the person cancels. The agent continued, They have, however, bought a house now and will be taking occupation on the first of December. We let the owner of the hol- of the holiday accommodation know at the beginning of August that the client would like to cancel their booking. The owner of the house is now insisting that there will be no refund. Our question to you is whether this is fair. We have quite a few inquiries coming in through our letting agency and more than four months notice has been given. The client offered to pay a 10,000 rand cancellation fee. The owner is not willing to even try and find a replacement booking and does not want us to try and get a replacement either. We let guests off the hook on condition that we find a replacement for their booking. As I said, that's not strictly 100% SEPA compliant either. We are struggling to understand why this owner will not do the same. And of course, I'm struggling a lot with that too. Not only is it grossly unfair holding on to a couple's 50,000 rand, despite a cancellation of just over four months in advance of arrival, for three weeks in the peakest of peak times. When there are other words, inquiries coming easily in. Easily relatable. Yeah. My guess is, to be honest, that they aren't, um, that they are going to relate or or that they're, that place won't be empty. There will so be they, they'll relate, but they'll still keep the money. Or they might use it themselves, but the point is they're not entitled to... That's profiteering, right? It's profiteering. Of they, course. They're not willing yeah. to even look at a relate, which is not okay. 
But as always, um, I turned to Consumer Goods and Services Ombud Mahatam Patlele for the legal position in her view, given that, as I said, I'm pretty sure that others will be facing this situation. You make very early bookings for December, for, for, yeah, for the yeah. festive season. And um, there's a lot of life that can happen in between. And, you know, you're left with a situation where you want to cancel. And now comes the, the debate around the refund of the deposit. Um, so Mahata began by saying there is an obligation. Sorry, where did she say? Um, yes, she began with this very important piece of information, which is where the supplier wants to withhold the full deposit paid, they must prove that the actual losses, keyword actual losses, suffered as a result of the cancellation amount to 50,000 rand. I'd like to see yeah. that person um, try and do that. It's impossible. Yeah, What? how what can cost? you? Um there is an obligation on the supplier to find a replacement. If there are any proven advertising, advertising costs, for example, to find a replacement, these must be proven and then charge the consumer. So I've said this a lot over the years, but I think it's really, really worth um, repeating. It cannot be a thumb suck, well, we are keeping this, let alone the whole lot, but we mm. are keeping 25,000 rand of your money. Okay, this is why, this is, these are our direct actual costs. Right. The idea is, is, is not to enrich the person. The idea is to compensate them for the, any direct financial result. Uh, um, um, what's the word? Um, knock on from somebody cancelling a, a confirmed. Um, but that's what booking. I was saying to you at the start of the show. Why, why should they, as you say, enrich them or, or profit from? And, and you wouldn't believe how many service providers think they're perfectly entitled to, to do that. As I say, the, the, the opposite of that coin is is um, a family cancelling at the last minute, cancelling on yep. the 8th of December, say, or 15th of December, finances didn't pan out, whatever, and expecting that whole 50,000 rand back. That is... That is also not fair, right? It, it's we, we get yes. extremes, uh, extremely unfair behave, um, expectations on both sides. So, as for determining what is reasonable as a cancellation fees, this, you know, once you accept that you can't withhold all the money, CPA's uh, section seventeen states that a charge is unreasonable if it exceeds a fair amount in the circumstances having regard to don't you love legalese, Amy? <laughs> the nature of the goods or services that we reserved or book. So now you have a, a holiday accommodation in a, in a prime holiday spot in a pri- at a prime time. The length of notice of cancellation provided by the consumer, more than four, four months. months. The reasonable potential for the service provider acting diligently. So they can't just say, well, uh, I asked around for two days and nobody wanted sorry the accommodation. For you. Yeah. Yeah. So acting diligently to find an alternative consumer between the time of receiving the cancellation notice and the time of the cancelled reservation and the general practice of the relevant industry. Now, in all three of those counts, um, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say that um, only a very small amount uh, should be deducted, should have been deducted in this case uh, as a cancellation penalty for this couple. What happened in the end was I fed that information through to the agent. Um, she confirmed to the owner of the accommodation that it's not it's not in keeping with the CPA and it's unfair. And they said, so sorry for that, too bad. No. And yes, so that couple has lost 50,000 rand for a holiday, on a holiday that they... And that owner's taking. not budging. No. 
Is there no recourse? So really? I would, I would, you know, I, I've strongly suggested that they take it up with the consumer okay. goods and services ombudsman, sure. um, and um, I will keep tabs on that one, should they feel inclined to do it. But yeah, I just I felt that was such a. A uh, um, surprising rollover on fifty thousand rand. I mean, sure, yeah. I don't know how some people sleep at night. This, and there's one other big provi- proviso here: is um, there can be absolutely no deduction um, or no cancellation penalty imposed if um, the cancellation happens as a result of the person who made the booking or the person for whom the booking was made is uh, either dies or is hospitalised. And um, that would need to be proved. But I've um, intervened in many cases where that's happened and and the, the person has subsequently got a refund. So, huh. yeah, I think it's kind of, it pays to know these things. <laughs> Knowledge is power and, and uh, money. Um, about, um, I asked Makhata, um, the Consumer Goods and Services Ombuds, I asked her about that rental agent's policy of we let guests of the hook on condition that we find a replacement for their booking. Mm-hmm. I said that's not strictly compliant with the CPA, is it? Makhata Bethlele's response was rental agents have an obligation to act diligently to find a replacement. The cancellation penalty charge should not have the effect of negating the consumer's right to cancel a fixed-term consumer agreement. As afforded by the Act, they're also obliged to disclose the cancellation penalties and notice parents in the rental agreement. Um, it was vaguer than I would have liked, but I think it's certainly the case that um, you it, you can't make the, the refund um, minus whatever cancellation penalty um, dependent on um, the, there being a replacement booking. Cause otherwise, no. I mean, in this case, would you keep the person hanging for four months? No. Um, I think in many cases where cancellation penalties are, are charged, quite large ones, as you said, the 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 function room, the accommodation, whatever it is, does get relit at full price. And um, so the, so the um, that supplier, as the CPA calls it, has in effect um, enriched, has actually done better out of the deal than had the original booking gone ahead. So it's all, you know, it's all about balancing both parties' needs. But I just thought I'd share this case because clearly um, keeping 50,000 rand of that couple's money under the circumstances can never be legally or morally no. justified. And also to to um, bang home the message is that whenever you pay a deposit, find out what the terms and conditions are. If, there's, if you smell no refund, if it's a blanket um, uh, policy that they don't ref- refund, even if you cancel tomorrow kind of thing, the day after making the booking, then really step away. And if there's nothing said about it, find out and get it in writing. Mm. If I cancel, you know, a month before, five months before, eight months before, depending on how early you've booked for whatever, um, get these things thrashed out before you pay so yeah. that there isn't this kind of drama when the thing that you least expected happens and you have to cancel. So I think as as shocked as I am by the story that you've just told us, that for me is the big takeaway, is that no upfront what kind of refund options or never assume you're yeah, just going to get all your yeah. money back and as you say if it's not, if it states up there no refunds red flag walk away and if it doesn't state make sure that you find out and we're certainly getting a lot of listener reaction now to the story and judy says why not name and shame them it's absolutely shocking i actually don't know which uh, i wasn't given details of um the owners of this establishment um i i shared it on condition that i 
didn't divulge mm. any names. I just felt it was important enough to know. But trust me, this is not unusual. Hmm. This is why I'm sharing it. Yeah. Um, so it's make no up. assumptions. Even, and, you know, whether it's holiday accommodation or anything else, any time you are asked to make a deposit in lieu of a of a booking for something that you are going to benefit from down the line, ask those questions and ask it on email or WhatsApp or something so, so you have some record. Yeah. yeah. Obi, you've got a voice note for us on this matter. Hi, uh, just a note. Um, under certain circumstances, it's fair for the agent to actually charge a portion of their commission, considering that they've done um, potentially a substantial amount of work, um, finding the tenant, um, showing them the property, uh, and then the person cancels. Uh, where that agent could have um, rented it to any number of other people who had viewed. So uh, I think the agent is, is entitled to uh, a portion of their commission, uh, not necessarily the whole amount, but um, certainly something to compensate them for the wasted time. Yeah, and I, think I would agree. And, and she was uh, she was not speaking for herself. I assume yeah. that she would have kept some of that um, Fifty thousand rand. Remember, the the couple was willing to pay ten thousand rand, which yeah, is for really I would have said generous. five thousand would have yeah. been you know appropriate. But um, again, um, as long as it can be substantiated, so you know this amount of admin work, you know nobody expects people to work for nothing, mm. and I couldn't agree more with that. They mm. would definitely now they have to advertise again, but again. It needs to be substantiated, and and the in most cases it's just a thumb suck, um, which is not acceptable. And I think it's really important for people to know that if they if they said all right, we if they cancel and they're told we're we're keeping X amount, thank you very much. In terms of the Consumer Protection Act, you are required to substantiate that. Please, could you clarify how you how you arrived at that figure? Mm. I think consumers need to start knowing their rights and very Pushing politely stating this is what I you know yeah. what what the act says and I'd appreciate your response. Yeah. Sure. Okay, well let's leave that one there Wendy and we'll we'll rely on you to bring us updates if there are any mm-hmm. on that saga. Let's move on to talking about flight insurance. Is it worth it? I am one of those consumers that never takes out flight insurance. Oh, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to admit it, but I'm um, oh, it's the flights are so expensive especially at the moment. I'm not going to pay yeah. that extra bit for insurance. Yes. I think many others are the same. I'm a little bit I'm very because of my job, I hear from people day in and day out for whom things have gone very wrong. So I tend to if there is insurance like if I hire a car which is very seldom because the risks are so huge I will pay extra for the super waiver which does burn but if something goes wrong and it doesn't have to be your fault yeah I mean you could be in really a lot of financial trouble if you if you don't that kind of thing but with flight insurance um, I'm a bit iffy depending on my mood Um, (laughs) so anyway but someone that um, does um uh, routinely take out insurance when he flies is is Shabir, and um, so he was booking uh, four tickets uh, on a Safair flight departing Cape Town International in mid June of this year. It was for himself and three of his staff members. He paid extra for for the um, um, flight delay insurance, and as it happened, that flight was delayed for three hours. Instead of departing at ten to nine in the morning, it uh, eventually took off at. Uh, 10 to 12 so he lodged a claim with Fly Safair and was f- referred to Chubb who provides that insurance cover 
He said in his email to me, Chubb requested a flight delay letter from FlySafe via me. I sent the first request request for this letter on the 18th of July and subsequent requests for this letter have not been attended. He sent me all of that um, correspondence, mm-hmm. email after email of him saying, please can I have this letter. I only receive an automated response saying that they are inundated with requests for this letter, which is a weird response for an airline who boasts about having a 97% on-time on record, he yeah. said. <laughs> we have flown this route four times since this date, and as a small business, this compensation could have assisted us with reducing costs for other flights. Any assistance would be appreciated. So I did take up the case. And um, FlySafe's response is um, um, from their um, chief marketing officer, um, Kirby Gordon, is good news for Shabir, as well as others who do have a legitimate claim on that policy. And it went like this. The travel protection policies we sell on our website are administered and underwritten by Chubb Insurance, which is obviously a third-party company, much like First Car Rental Cars, um, or the um, Bidvest Lounge Access vouchers, which we sell. Once the policy is taken out, the client receives policy wording, etc., directly from Chubb, and the relationship effect- effectively moves between the two parties, should there be a need for claims. There is delay cover in the Chubb product sold on our website. The offer is 400 Rand per three-hour delay period, up to a maximum of 3,000 Rand. That's per passenger. So having been delayed by three hours, those passengers would have qualified, well, Shabir would have qualified for a total um, payment of 1,600 mm. rand. This customer said, Kirby lodged its claim with Chubb, which is correct, and the Chubb person replied saying they need a letter confirming the, the flight delay. Um, and he says things have gone wrong um, in getting the letter from us. It's a standard letter to issue, and there's no reluctance or impact on our part to issuing it. We do them regularly. It does seem like our process to get it sent off to this person did fail, though. I'm making sure it's being sent off now. And then he said something really really encouraging and, and, and which would help others. So thank you, Shabir, for raising this case. He says this is actually something we're looking to automate. We send out SMS notifications on delays, delays, which to my mind should satisfy Chubb that a delay took place. But they want letters on letterhead, so we're trying to build some development that the system just automatically sends uh-huh. out a letter to any insurance policy holder that was on a delayed flight. So it has to be minimum three hours, right? Um, so that they will automatically have this at hand, which I think would be a wonderful development. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is to great. Bear in mind. And that does also just give you an idea of what sort of compensation you're looking at because we've all been in that situation where our flights have been delayed. So only from three hours onward and obviously only if you have... Um, the insurance. P- paid extra for the insurance. Yeah. But well done to Fly Safe on that one. Well I done. Think. And also thank you, Shabir, for flagging it with me. Because Must give credit where credit is due. Yes, I, I'm all for that. So, yeah, there you have it. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. Call now on 021-446-0567. Welcome back. It is 24 minutes to 3 o'clock. My name is Amy McIver, standing in for Pippa Hudson this afternoon. It's a great pleasure to be in your company. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is Consumer Talk. It is Wednesday afternoon, and I am joined in studio by Wendy Nola, and we are talking about your rights as a consumer. So if you've got a question for Wendy, we should have a little bit of time in a couple of minutes to address your questions. So send them in to us now, 021-446-0567 or 0725671567. I believe we do have a voice note for Wendy about one of the subjects we were talking about in the last half an hour, which is cancelled travel bookings and what's your right as a consumer with regards to that one? 
I own a few properties and it's standard that whenever I rent out my properties uh, on a short-term basis, uh, there's a sliding scale in terms of cancellation fee. And if you look at uh, big uh, companies such as Safari Now, Sleeping Out, uh, all of them, um, they all have the same type of policy. And it makes sense because you're literally holding a booking for somebody and they cancel and several other people made an inquiry for those specific dates and you had to turn them away um, so yeah somebody's got to compensate for the loss just saying Jane kept on absolutely and if we didn't make it clear enough earlier um the, the sliding scale is what you want fortunately mm. not everyone makes bookings with these larger ones um as this case illustrates they there was a no refund the person booked anyway uh no refunds policy rather um so yes a sliding scale protects both parties and um what was the other point oh um certainly when you are substantiating why you're withholding 25 percent 50 percent whatever it was of, of monies paid towards the accommodation the fact that i mean you would then be within your rights to share those emails share those inquiries mm-hmm. as proof, positive proof that you lost out um on the booking but um given the timing if there were still many many months to go or several months to go for, to the booking you still wouldn't be entitled to to keep 100 percent. there would still um have to be some um, money's refunded so it's as I say it's balancing the interests of both parties but I fully get I have friends who who rent out properties uh, on various platforms and I fully get that you know having to uh, having a, uh, someone cancel on you and not being able to and having turned away other people in the meantime it's immensely frustrating and, yeah and, and we're and not saying people shouldn't be compensated no, it, for that I'm saying it's but the, the, the case that I raised was admittedly and it is a real one but admittedly extreme extreme but not um not the only one that's for sure Wendy before we move on to talking about geezers I do just want to let listeners know we've got a power alert from ESCOM I know right I never enjoy seeing these bright red power alerts pop up on my screen stage 3 and stage 4 load shedding will continue to be implemented between 12 o'clock well 0000 so that's midnight and 4pm and uh, 4 p.m. to midnight daily until Saturday. So I guess basically 24 hours a day, stage three and stage four load shedding will continue to be implemented until Saturday. Breakdowns currently amount to 15,492 megawatts, while planned maintenance is 5,076 megawatts. A full statement and further update will be published on Friday afternoon. Jeepers, it just seems like it's never ending at the moment. I wonder it? if those money, those numbers mean anything to anyone. We're to just anyone hearing, we just hearing, the know. numbers are the times and, and the stages and then we go and, and have a look off. into, into <laughs> ESCOM. ESCOM <laughs> support. What does that mean for me and cooking dinner tonight exactly. and getting my kids bathed? <laughs> mm, all of that. <laughs> exactly. Oh dear. Alright, well let's put that bleak news aside for a minute and move on to talking about geese well, yes, it is related, I suppose, <laughs> because you haven't got power feeding your geezer. Um, things can be hairy if you've got a lot of people in your house. So I've had a flurry of queries about geezer warranties lately. I've had two in the past week alone. So Garth wrote, my geezer was leaking water on its casing. So after investigating with the supplier, it was confirmed that my geezer warranty has a 60-month warranty, which expires in 2024. So, happy days. They replaced it with a new geezer. I was told, though, that the second geezer's warranty would also expire in 2024, not in five years. 
I would like to know if this is correct. And then Teddy wrote, I have an issue with a replaced geezer that burst within eight months of installation and the warranty of the original geezer has now expired. This is a quick hot geezer and they should be held responsible for supplying a poor quality geezer which normally has a five-year warranty but packed up within eight months. Please advise. Now you can understand. I think it's quite a reasonable expectation or understandable expectation on a consumer's part that okay, the geezer warranty is five years. Th- mm. That one went kaput within five years. You've given me a new one. So now this one also has five years. But that's not how it works. And that's it's, and, and the suppliers are legally within their rights to have this replacement geezer inherit uh, the, remainder, the remainder of that previous okay. geezer's um, warranty, which is why in Teddy's case, his geezer is only eight months old, but... Um, he's not going to get a warranty replacement because it inherited what was left of the previous Got one, you. which didn't buy him many months on the new one as well. Um, and this is how former Consumer Goods and Services Ombudsman Neville Melville explained it to me a few years ago, when I many years ago, when I queried this with him. He says, all a warranty is is a term to a contract, in this case that the geezer would work for five years, failing which the company would fix or replace it. In other words, what you spent on that geezer bought you a warranty of five years. Okay. Right? So if they replace it with another one, there are keeping the end of the bargain by making sure that that money you spent on a geezer bought you five years at least of service. So if you were to be if the every replacement geezer was to get a whole new five years you years. would then be enriched. Yeah. So this you. is how Neville said it. Um if this were not the case, it would potentially be a situation, as one retailer put it to us, that they would be compelled to provide shoes for a child throughout his school career because each consecutive pair developed a defect just as it neared the end of its warranty period. And put like that, it does make sense. Um, remember, the only legally mandatory warranty is the six-month warranty automatically given by the terms of the Consumer Protection Act to all products sold in South Africa. But from month seven, that the warranty then is the warranty, the voluntary one of the supplier. And just a quick reminder about about geezer warranties. I've also had, I spoke about it on the money show, I think just last week with Bruce Whitfield, um, people's geezers bursting, whatever, and it does happen more often in the winter months. Mm. And um, them going to their short-term insurance provider because they have geezer cover mm. and then paying in excess because I've done that. Have you? Yep. But so if you, the first thing that you must do when your geezer bursts and you, where you obviously need to get it fixed is you must go to the right person. So check whether the geezer's in warranty or out of warranty. Um, and if it's in warranty, cut out your insurer mm. because you will pay in excess mm. and rather go straight to whichever the supplier, the geezer, the geezer supplier okay. is and they will replace it. And it's no, doesn't take any longer. I had a, I had a test case. Doesn't mean you're going to wait extra long. Um, it means you're going to save yourself an excess payment. Another life hack, Wendy. Thanks for that one. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Consumer Talk. Open line. Call 021
It is 12 minutes to 3 o'clock. Welcome back. My name is Amy McIver, standing in for Pippa Hudson today, and I'm in conversation with consumer journalist Wendy Nola, and we are talking about all things consumer-related, and now is your opportunity to call or message us if you have queries or questions that you'd like Wendy to answer. And just in response to the last conversation we were having about the geezers, Wendy, somebody's message to say, all plumbers know the guarantee date is on the side of the geezer, and they must check with the manufacturer. Uh, who has clicked off that WhatsApp now? Uh, there it says, if they don't tell you this, hold them accountable. They install all the geezers and they know what warranties are in geezers. Yeah, so. I had a case of exactly that um, where the person paid like 11,000 rand for a geezer. It was one of the case studies I spoke about last week. And she said she phoned the insurer um, and, she, and, and that's right, and she was asked if there was no availability when the insurer put them onto their um, ones on their panel. Yeah. And so she said, can I use my own? And uh, she was actually in a property. So, you know, you use those um, for compliance certificates. They use this particular company. Mm. So she got them in, 11,000 rand. So neither the insurer said to her, just check your warranty or the service provider. When she took it up with them, they said, well, we don't check. Really? And she didn't want to jeopardize her whole work relationship with this crowd, so she didn't want to push it. And I'm like, oh, wow. I don't know. There's certainly a, there's nothing legally that compels them to say it, but there certainly is a moral obligation. It's not in their interest to check, right? Yeah, of course not. But thank you then very much for the message from the person saying that those dates are on the side of the geezer. That's very interesting to know. So always uh, do check first before yeah before you make decide who you're going to call. Okay, let's go to the lines now. And we've got a call from Adele in St. Helena Bay. Adele, good afternoon. What's your question for Wendy? Yes, hi, Amy and Wendy. I'm a little bit at my wit's end and I need some guidance. I have um, my medical aid. I made a, few, I made a change. You know, we can do that in the beginning of the year. And through my broker. Um, and what happened is the medical aid deducted um, double in one month. So at the moment, since uh, February, they owe me just under 7,000 rand. I have been trying everything through my broker. Um, and my broker has been sending me all the communication between him and my medical aid. Um, and we are just not getting any luck. I mean, even in our tax certificate from the medical aid, you can see that they've double debited us for that specific month. And 7,000 rand is not something that you can just let no. go. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where is my, where's my right? Is it the broker that I need that needs to sort it out? Because he's now saying he can't do anything more. Uh, I must do it directly with discovery. I, and oops, yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, Adele, I'm so sorry that it happened to you because I think most of us can relate to the frustration of that. I would say it's not the broker. He's doing his job and trying to, you know, being the intermediary between you and the medical scheme, but he yes. wouldn't have any control over the debit order run or what happened there. I'm thinking it could possibly have been a case that it wasn't just you. Um, so all I can suggest to you is that you email me um, give me all the, the dates, the policy number, etc. Um, and I would go directly to the insurer um, about this. How many months has it been now? So it's in February, so wow. it's quite a long time. It is. And you know what's infuriating yeah. for me as a consumer journalist is that when we as consumers owe companies money legitimately mm. and we don't pay it for months on end, I mean, after three mm. months, you're handed over to a debt collector. Totally. You're now looking at fees and interest 
added on to it, etc. Exactly. They can blacklist us. That's not the mm. correct legal word, but we all know what it means on a credit bureau. And when it's the reverse, what can we do? We can speak about it publicly, but it's not putting the money so far back into Absolutely. your pocket. So I find I, I get really riled up by these sorts of cases. I mean, a I'm month. I'm so glad you see my <laughs> <laughs> It's you know, it's an error, fine, but it, it, you mm. know, fix it. February yes. to to almost October is is unconscionable. It's a long time. It's yeah. unconscionable. And, and we all, you know, it's a lot of money. It's not just a small amount mm. of money. So I tell you what, Great. Adele, you have my email address. I, yes. And if you don't, it's consumer at NOLA, K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Brilliant. Please, in the subject line, say in capital letters, as, as discussed on Cape Talk. Okay. And... Please put all the contact details there so I can send it off immediately. And hopefully we can come back next week and report that you got your money back. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Wendy. You're welcome, Adele. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for the call, Adele. And hopefully Wendy's able to go somewhere towards resolving your issue. Okay, Wendy, let's go back to the WhatsApp line. Lots of questions coming in for you now. And somebody says, good day. Question for Wendy. In a block of flats, is Mm -hmm. the body corporate responsible for keeping the outside windows clean? They have to maintain paint so why not the windows three to four times a year it should be cleaned it does make the building look better and it should be part of the maintenance that depends on what's in the uh, body corporate rules yeah and yeah something to look for um, most definitely but I would say yes because it follows it's, it's very difficult for um, you know depending on most blocks of flats you know it, it would be rather unsafe I think in many cases, I suppose there's the right there's the sort of magnetic gizmos available and which which allow you to do it. But I would say, generally speaking, and I would love somebody on a body corporate who might know whether the um, the uh, schemes what is it called the um, I could speak to the ombud involved. It's just the name of it is gone. Uh, community schemes something ombud. We've had them on the show. Whether it's something that um, is required to be in a, a I'm also Supplied, curious to or know. whether it's a voluntary thing so either yeah. it's it's, it's um, included in your in the rules or uh, or it's not not the rules the whatever the agreement says so yeah I'm hoping somebody listening can shed some light on that but my just my your gut. logic my gut <laughs> says it should be the body corporate's responsibility it should be something that your levies pay for CSOS CSOS thank you listeners just let us know thank you and then another question Winnie and I'm sure you'll know the answer to this because it's probably a common one from Jace in Cape Town it says hi Amy I bought a car with a variable interest can I change it to fixed now to prevent the installment from increasing even more yes you can if the bank will allow you to do it I think there must be quite a few people wanting to do it bear in mind you will pay more um I famously bought a car um, uh, on a five-year term, uh, 72 months, and I was also hearing grumblings about interest rates going up, so I fixed it, so I paid a higher amount and nothing in the interest and rate up. <laughs> didn't go up <laughs> at all over those five years. So it is a risk. Um, but bear, and you and you will pay you will pay more, but then you, you know you, it's up to you to decide whether it's worth it or not. Okay. Providing the bank will allow you to do it, but um, I researched this not too long ago, and um, you know it's definitely a thing that you can do.
Okay, Jace, I hope that answered your question. We've got about three minutes left with Wendy, so time for you to squeeze in one or two more questions. If you'd like to call us now, you can do so, 021-446-0567 or 0725671567. Wendy, we do have a listener wanting to know whether you know what's happened to the TID or TD refunds. I see the website is not available anymore, and those of us that ordered in November last year are still waiting for refunds. What a I'm terrible story. Pippa and I did a show on this um, so there were air fryers. Oh, if gosh. I'm not mistaken, yeah, they created a website, and I think the uh, the price was around a thousand rand, supposedly discounted. And um, one of pe- two people did get the air fryers because I actually said on this show as well as on the 702 show, I said to people, please. Uh, Call in, WhatsApp us if you did get your yes. air fryer. So one or two, but mostly people didn't. And what was weird about this case is that the owner, whose name escapes me for the moment, but he every few months would come, would would post on his website or Facebook, I think Facebook page, videos saying, "I'm so sorry, you know, I started this up and I was a bit naive. I knew about the tech side, but I didn't know about the, cons- the customer service side." And Good grief. and um, there've been delays, and of course there were sort of. Um, Supply chain issues come from overseas, but we've just, and a few months later we've just taken delivery. It's going to take us some time, that I, and then those updates stopped, and um, I didn't realize. But um, I did try and follow up because I, from time to time, do get emails from people such as this listener. Yeah. Um, but never, I never ever got a response, and I and I've sh- I warned people about this. Um, I've exposed it on on all my platforms. Um, never got a response from the person. And wow. yeah, unfortunately, um, you are taking a big risk if you buy something online from a company that's new that doesn't have a track record. Sure. Um, the price, this, the price was good, but it's intentionally so so that it acts as a lovely lure. Um, so that person would have made a lot of money. Goodness out me! Out of air fryers that never got delivered. And then just in response to the first conversation we had about the person that had booked the accommodation and cancelled with four months notice and and lost all 50,000 rand of their booking deposit, Mary says, this is an interesting topic. We booked something for December and they also do no refunds. I was very hesitant to book, ummed and ahed, but I've paid the deposit. It's a superb place and a very popular place. And there we are. Hopefully we will all get there and it will be fine. Yeah, that's a big risk. Um, it, it was disclosed up front, but I would say, you know, we, we do live in hope that everything will go well, but, you know, it doesn't always. So it'll be great if nothing goes wrong. But if it something does, you know, that's a lot of money to lose. You don't have that money then to put through sure. towards other things that could be a lot more rewarding than paying someone who's probably going to relet it anyway and oh. get double. Terrible, terrible thoughts, especially in time for the holidays. Always, never go, blanket blanket no refund policies are illegal. So if you see that, I don't know, it would put me off because yeah. what else What else are they not complying with? Well, exactly. Sure. All right, Wendy, well, thank you so much for your time. As always, what have you got in, what have you got in store for next week? Oh, next week is a long time away, Amy. Don't, I haven't even, <laughs> I haven't even <laughs> begun to think about it. I've got two more radio shows to go and then I'll start thinking. If listeners have got any burning topics or issues they'd like to... Um, me to investigate. Um, my email address is consumer at nola.co.za.